Hey everybody, welcome to Artist Soapbox. Artist Soapbox is a podcast featuring triangle area artists talking about their work, their plans, their manifestos. I am your host, Tamara Kassane. Alika Vale considers herself to be a creative. Some of her talents include dancing, writing, directing, acting, and producing. She currently serves on the board of WTF, the Women's Theater Festival in North Carolina, as their head of diversity and co-chair. She is the co-creator of Crew, a Facebook group that focuses on encouraging artistic works for people of color in theater, film, music, and other creative avenues in the Triangle area. Alika has worked on several local productions as actor, producer, director, and stage manager, but she says it's the chance to work with talented women and tell amazing stories that inspires her. Today we discuss some of Alika's theater experiences in Raleigh, the racial sensitivity workshops that she's led for the WTF, and the projects she'll be leading for the Women's Theater Festival, including the Summer Con coming up in July and during their 1920 season. In particular, I want to mention that Alika Vale will be part of a panel on intersectional casting and directing held on July 13, 2019 at the Women's Theater Festival Con. The panel will discuss how to maximize representation in casting across spectrums of gender, ability, and ethnicity, and how these choices affect the stories we tell. And I will also be at the Women's Theater Festival Con from July 12th through 14th, 2019, leading a workshop on functional feedback, sitting on a panel for discussing parenting as a theater artist, and most thrillingly for me... July 14th will be the premiere of my first audio drama, Master Builder. I hope you'll come to listen. There are lots of great speakers, workshops, plays, and events that weekend, so get to the WTF Con if you can. I'll include links in the show notes. Enjoy this episode with Alika Vale. Hi, Alika. Thank you so much for being here. I am excited to talk to you about many things, and I thought we would start with a remark that you made before we got on mic. You said that you've, quote, done a lot of theater here in a little bit of time. So would you talk about how you got involved in the theater community in Raleigh? Yes. Well, first, you know, I want to say thank you for allowing me to come, um, and I'm, I'm super excited uh, but yeah, it's been, wow, <laughs> I was thinking about it. it's been not even uh, two years. It's been a little bit over a year. I basically started um, kind of getting back, uh, well, back into theater. My teenage son was uh, registering for some classes for the fall, and he decided to take technical theater because he said that he remembered, you know, I always talked about theater and how much I love doing plays and things like that. And then I, a couple of weeks later, I, I ran into my middle school English teacher and she was like, are you still writing? And I think like those two situations that happened pretty much within a month of each other really made me realize like, like I've always talked about doing theater and I used to write. And I think like so many other people, you know, let life kind of come in and got busy mm-hmm. and kind of like, yeah, I did some crafts here. And then I've always done dance, but just kind of forgot the daydream. 
and didn't really do theater. Like I lived in Raleigh for about five years and then I moved away and then I came back and I was just like, okay, here's my, you know, better chance than now. Like, mm-hmm. you know, let me just go ahead and, and see what, what, what I can do here um, in Raleigh. And I have to admit, it took a, a while to, for me to figure out, okay, like, how do I even go about finding auditions here in Raleigh? You know, I've lived here, but I don't remember ever really seeing shows. What theater companies are there? These are things that I kind of had to kind of like search for. Um, and it just so happened, um, I came across Women's Theater Festival. And I think they had an open mic. And then I just kind of got on their their site and their web webpage. And then I saw an audition for the 100th year celebration for Planned Parenthood. And I was like, okay, let me audition. It's something small, a little piece. And even then I was like, I don't have time. I can't do it. Uh, this and that. And even my boyfriend, I he came home at the moment. I was like, if I don't leave now, I'm not going. <laughs> and he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I was thinking about auditioning for this thing. And he's like, what's the worst thing they can say? No. Right. And so I did. I auditioned and I got it. It's cliche to say the rest is history, but um, that was August of 2017. And by December of 2017, Ashley, who, you know, when Ashley uh, sets her mind to something, she definitely puts all her efforts into that. And I kind of was, you know, working a little bit behind the scenes. And she was like, you know what? I think you'd be great for a women's theater festival for our board. In January 2018, I was on the board. Wow. So it was something that was, I kind of like to say, like the universe conspired. Like I was ready. These these signs kind of came and I jumped and, and it caught me. And I feel very, very, very blessed and thankful for that because I love theater. Like I've, you know, like so many people, that kid that put on shows and made their parents watch and I directed and gave everybody a part and just things that I, I've uh, lost touch with. But even then, my first thing I did is, you know, I met with uh, Naima. I uh, did an article. I interviewed her because she was doing the thing at the Cary Theater for playwriters and Yvette and Carol. Like I just from then I just met all these amazing women, you know, that just a, a few months ago, here I am searching for things in Raleigh that are theater um, based. And then now I'm introduced to all these amazing, talented women Mm -hmm. that I still think blows my mind. I think that's something that I feel like a little gem that I didn't realize that was here in Raleigh. And now it's like a treasure. There's, There's this, there's that, and there's so many different things so I do think the theater community here in Raleigh is like a gym mm-hmm. and getting to really work with these talented women, even though it's been a short amount of time, I really just feel, I feel honored, you know, just working even with Mama Celeste. Like that was something that I met her like last year, January at the African-American celebration. And I saw her perform in Moja's um, show that they were doing at the festival. And I remember going up to her and saying like, you're such an amazing, you know, actress. I would love to work with you one day. And then a year later, I worked with her in Men Always Leave. And, you know, I told her the story and I just was like, again, it blows my mind that it's just only been this short amount of time, but I have already stage managed and produced and and directed and and I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. There's something to be said when things 
fall into place in a way that feels kind of easy, you know, because I think so much of our lives, we have to work really hard to make opportunities for ourselves. And it's a nice feeling when things just come to you. But it also seems like who you are and how you show up makes people want to offer these things to you. You know what? I I have to admit, I think you're right, because just even recently I had to I have it where I actually have to say, like, let me check my schedule and make sure I have any conflicts. And I actually had to say, like, oh, I'm sorry, I would love to do this and work with you and stage manage, but I actually have this coming up. So it does make me feel proud to say that, like, yes, people do want to work with me, but it also goes to show that I enjoy putting on great works and I do put my heart into my works. Mm -hmm. You know, I love to just still be on stage and be near stage and then just smell the props like I'm still <laughs> like I still love the opening night you know jitters and the you know I still feel emotional over you know the last call and the the last shows and things like that so so in addition to performing and producing and stage managing you mentioned that you're also on the board of the Women's Theater Festival and you are their head of diversity so in addition to the the work of making the work, making the art, part of your work has been leading a racial sensitivity workshop for Women's Theater Festival. And this summer, you'll be on a panel at the Women's Theater Festival Con to discuss intersectional casting and directing. So I'd like to hear a little bit from you about why you think a racial sensitivity workshop is important for theater practitioners. I think here in Raleigh that there is a gem of the theater community, but it is small it is close knit. But I think when you're working with the same type of people, you become a family and you get used to like, I know when I work with so and so, you know, how that's going to go. I know how to work with certain people. But when new people come in, or when you're trying to expand outside of your little bubble, I think it's important for for people to, to know that when you're working with different different demographics, or you're working with diverse people, that there's a certain kind of cultural norm and that needs to be taken into consideration when you are communicating with them. Like, yes, it's great that you want people of color to sit at your table, but are they comfortable at your table? Or the other question is, why are you not trying to come to their table? You know, there needs to be a little bit more of those type of thing conversations. Again, we're used to working with the person. And I think it needs to be more consideration for the people in general. Mm -hmm. So um, that's why I feel like racial sensitivity is is important. It's to say that there's differences and you're telling someone's story and you need to be able to understand their story and understand where they're coming from. Good intentions can be miscommunicated. And that's okay. I think that's what I like about being part of WTF. They're very honest in saying we are white women who would love to tell these stories, but you know, we're not, these are not our stories to tell, but we want to help tell these stories. For them to say that, that's important because they're trying to give a platform for people to tell these stories. But again, they're not assuming that they know how. And I do think Different cultures tell their stories differently. I can't. I can't personally assume to tell. Uh, I would say a person of uh, a Latino or a Jewish, you know, story that 
I have to only tell my, my stories. And even my stories are different than than other people of color. You know, we have different, you know, our own stories, our own backgrounds, our own things, lives that we went through. Um, so I can relate to some things, but not to everything. You know, again, speaking from my own personal experience, but I do think that it's important. I do think that people should be open to learning about whether they have biases and not being afraid of it and not feeling like, oh no, I don't have biases. I appreciate and love everyone. Mm -hmm. And I feel like when you say that, then you should be able to also say, so let me learn, let me understand, and let me try to relate. And I say try because you may not be able to, but you also need, need to be able to understand that too. Right. Like I cannot relate, but I hear you and I understand you and I want to help you. You know, there's something, there's, there's something about that. So that's what the whole point of the racial sensitivity, that's why it's needed. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't think people should feel like anyone's pointing the finger at them or at yourself. I think we all should have these questions um, when we're dealing with other people, when we're, tra- when we're trying to tell stories right. that are, you know, not personally, you know, ours or not from our, our voice. So what might this look like in the room? Are you talking about the conversations that you have about the actual script and the conversations that you have about more of the administrative? That's kind of two different. I want to say two different questions because it would be administrative in the aspect of being able to say, I want to be open to knowing about these cultural norms. So that way, when I do offer someone or a person of color a directing role, I want to be able to know that when I'm communicating with them or when we're going over things that I am coming from good intentions. I think sometimes when people are saying like, yes, we want to offer a platform. We want you to tell your story. Sometimes there is there's input that may be different than what someone might be used to hearing. If you, for example, I would say in general, you know, people of color, you know, trust has to be earned. It is not sometimes all usually given first. And so when you go into a meeting sometimes and you're like, hey, you're super excited. I can't wait to work with you. Sometimes that can be taken a little apprehensive. Mm-hmm. You know, I think what I what I am trying to say is that for like the administration. OK, so understanding like the cultural norms, I think a person has to really be honest with the fact that people of color have not always trusted when someone is trying to tell their story that is not a person of color and for for good reasons. Right, sure. When we did talk about the facial sensitivity with the Women's Theater Festival, we did bring up the feminist movement. And we read some articles that showed the reason why, you know, there was a divide in women and how that good intention was miscommunicated. And I think that's what the whole the whole picture, that's the whole point is to say that your ideas may not be flowing through through to everybody. You really need to listen to what that person is trying to say, what that person is trying to convey and help that person. But you have to uh, again understand where they're coming from and and not feel like if you don't know something and then that's okay. To be honest, you have to be honest with yourself. It sounds like taking into consideration the 
history. Yes. Of not only the individual sitting in front of you, but the society that has led to where we are right now and to kind of coming in with the understanding that that means something. Yes. Um, and it should mean something. So even though we're all just trying to make theater, it's not quite as simple as that. It's more complicated and we need to to slow down a little bit and be more thoughtful. Yes. About how we build relationships. Yes. Yes. A lot of those relationships should be uh, developed over time. And I think that's something that really needs to be understood, Mm -hmm. that it's not going to happen overnight, that it's not going to be instant, that it's going to, to definitely have to take a little bit of trial and error and just constant showing up. Right. And I, and I think like that is what's going to help that bridge. Now, as far as the other part of your question, just thinking about in, in, in a, in a show or in a play, when you have a show, that's would be what the, you know, the intersexual panel, mm-hmm. um, we're talking more about, let's take this, this show and that's used to be white woman that's 20 and, you know, this and this and this. And how does it need to be actually this white woman that's 20 for it to still tell the story? Right. Can it be a Latina woman? Can it be non-binary person? Like, does it have to be? And will the story change? And I think like that's something that's when you take that consideration when you're doing your casting. Is it going to change the story? Mm-hmm. When I produced um, Crumble, we actually had the mother was African-American the daughter was Caucasian and the father was African-American, did not change the story. The story still was about this family that was going through, you know, this situation and how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And again, it didn't change the passion. It didn't change the the acting. You know, I don't feel like we cast it, this mom that was African-American just so that we can have a person of color. Right. You know, in our show, she was talented. The dad was talented. Like everybody in that show, I felt was talented. You know, we auditioned, you know, other races and and other people. And it really came down to, was this person giving me the the energy that I want from this character? And that's what it came down to. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to be honest with yourself and you have to be able to be open and again, inviting people at your table, but also being able to go and sit at their table and actually have a conversation. Can we talk about some of the projects you've done since August of 2017 that you particularly enjoyed and what you enjoyed about them? Yes. And I understand that you've done a lot, so you can't possibly name them all, (laughs) but just give us like one or two. I have to go recently. So when I did Men Always Leave, in February, I uh, stage managed that with um, Naima and then with the Carrie Players. And I think that one, just having a cast, a full cast of people of color was amazing because we were all people of color, but we were theater people. So it was something that we were singing Rent and we were <laughs> quoting Mommy Dearest. And it was just like... 
my tribe. (laughs) Like these, you know, they, these are my people, you know, one of the actresses was a mom and, you know, we're sitting there. Well, I was pretty much giving lines and bouncing a baby at the same time, you know, really just being checking in, like, how are you doing? And really having that communication, I think of how's your day or you auditioned for this and being able to have those moments of, you know, while we're getting dressed or while they were stretching and just, you know, getting things together and being able to just laugh. That has been something that was the first show that I did where it was one of the first shows that I did all people of color, but it was the first show that I've done that I just felt really like this is this is my group. This is this is the people. This is the this is a love. This is why we do it. Right. And this is why we work together and we cheer each other on and we encourage each other no matter what. And those relationships just last. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I can't speak for you, but I know that even people I've worked with on one show and felt that kind of closeness, even if I don't see them for a while, I still love them like forever. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And then I did uh, Occupy last year, which I did this show stage reading and that one was one where I met a lot of new talent that I hadn't seen. And I worked with, it was called, um, it, it was a, a writer in, in California, but it was Comb Your Hair or You Look Like a Slave. And the title was so like, okay. I remember when they gave it to me or was thinking about me, I almost, I have to admit, thought, you know, I hope this is not something that you want me to do because... They want a person of color to direct, but it was written by a, per- a woman of color. And so she was very adamant about having a person of color directing. But when I read it, it was about all the struggles that women of color go through with wanting to have natural hair, but seeing like straight hair. And it was like different kind of vignettes of a guy trying to hit on us and preferring you know, the woman's ball, like it's all these different things that, you know, all these different stories that I got to tell and I got to direct these amazing women and having them tell the stories and seeing um, them. When I direct, it's really not until I see my cast that I really know what the show is going to be about or how the show is going to go. Even recently, when I did the auditioning for the show that I'm doing now for Occupy this year, I read it. But I was like, I can't really get an image until I see who my cast is. And you see your cast and you one person brings a little bit more comedy. So you're like, let's work with that. Or another person brings a little bit more, you know, fire. And you're like, let's go with that. But that's why I love directing, because I love to be able to see a, the person and see their talents and then push them and then just in their direction and just help them develop. And I don't like to say, this is what I see. This is what I need from you. I prefer to go from, this is what I see from you. And then I'm going to guide you right. into this direction. So that I can get what I need from out, from out of you. You don't realize I'm doing that, but I know I'm doing that. And even in Crumble, when we worked with our dad and he, he had to do, or Justin Timberlake, he had to do a dance scene. <laughs> and um, the actor, Lou, is an old military and I was like, think of it as cadence. You know, you're about face. And he did a, you know, he didn't know what a pivot was, but once I told him to about face, he did it and knew right. exactly what that is. So I think, again, that what I love about being in, in theater 
is being able to work on those shows. And like each experience is different than the other. Each show brings something different that I learned and I learned from myself. Like, I think I directed more and now I just love stage managing. <laughs> like, I like directing, but I just, I love stage managing and cueing lights and seeing the lights come up. Like, I always, I love having that, um, that Wizard of Oz power I think you have because mm. you're just like, cue sound and it's like, <laughs> let there be light. Let there be light. Yes. And there is. And yeah. then go. Yeah. Go. <laughs> power see see theater people understand where the power is and it's with the stage manager manager. no stage manager no show and i've had that where i have you know you forget to cue something and you're like oh no no light changes (laughs) yeah that's why i can't be a stage manager because i can't handle the pressure i'm like oh my gosh what if i like screw this up there will be no show it's it's the pressure but it's like the stress level love of it i don't Mm -hmm. know it's kind of like um being in the in the battlefield i guess i think you that's the way i look at it it's like being in the battlefield and you're like charging and then you're fighting them with your your fellow actors you know you guys are all in the trenches together yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's talk about crew because i feel yes. like this is all related to our conversation so crew is a facebook group mm. and you created this correct i not solely okay okay so about last last year, I say January 2018, when I first started with uh, WTF, one of the things as diversity was like, okay, so how do I reach out to people of color? Where is, where are we? I, I didn't see a lot of that. Where do I, you know, when I was looking for auditions, I did not see a lot that was speaking to me. Hmm. And so I actually got with Yvette um, Yvette Holder and she invited Carol Torian and we met at Lucky Tree and the three of us were just having this discussion and that's how crew came up. Three of us founded it out of this conversation of where is the where is the diversity here in Raleigh? Like, where are we? And so we noticed that people seem to do better with Facebook um, and there are these all these different Facebook groups. So we thought, what if we make this Facebook group there where people can see different kind of, you know, works. And then we were like, but it's, we want it to be very laid back. It's like, it's our crew. Like, this is our people. Like, that's, we came up with the word first. Like, this is our crew. This is the people that, we, you know, we connect with, the people that we want to support, the people that we want to be able to encourage. And then it just came to using that word crew as an acronym. We didn't want it to be just theater. And it is still mainly theater, but we really want it to be just creatives in general. Because Carol paints and she she writes, you know, I dance and, and I direct and do theater. And Yvette does a lot of things too. Mm-hmm. So we wanted it to not just be just theater people. So it is, it's creatives, you know, in Raleigh encouraging works. And so we try to post things. For example, if we see auditions that are gearing towards people of color, we put that on the side so that people can see that this is work asking for you. These people are asking for you, right. which technically, to be honest, I might see three or four posts and other Facebooks that I have to go and put on this. So unless you're looking through all these um, different kind of venues, I feel like this kind of puts it in one spot. Right. right. When there is 
a podcast that's gearing to a person of color. We try to put that, you know, when there's a show, when there is a one that either one of us are in that supports people of color, we're trying to put that up there. Um, we do have some, what I call our allies, which are, you know, non-people of color who still try to put things out and try to support. And I think like that's important too. You have to have people who want to help, but it's mainly geared towards people of color. And we met just recently, well, not recently, we met again in, in February of this year to kind of commemorate our year of being, you know, this, this group. And we had ideas for trying to expand, maybe doing some meetup groups where people can actually get together and actors can meet with directors. Because again, it's about building that community and about building those connections. And it's hard to do when it's just an audition. Again, when you work with someone, you're, you, you've worked with them, you know them. And I think having these little meetup groups where we can just sit around and just talk and not be about, hi, my name is so-and-so and I'm auditioning for this and here's my monologue and then you're gone. Right. You can learn how to build those connections. And you, so when you do need someone for a show, when you do, you can just say like, hey, I know so-and-so would be perfect for you. And a lot of that happens within the group too. Like, oh, I know so-and-so would be perfect for you. Here's your information. And we, we kind of interconnect mm-hmm. and with each other. It's just interesting because it's only been a year and our members are pretty active. It's, it kind of, in a way, still runs itself. I love that everything is in one place, you know, because as a, as a Facebook user myself, I'm like, I can't even. It's like everything's spread out all over the place. And so how have people responded to the way that you are condensing this information? I have noticed that we the comments you know, are, are more like the likes and the loves mm-hmm. and things like that. But I have seen people at events and I've have seen people into thing, doing things that I could tell that they got from, from that site. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a person who has an artist studio and where it's kind of like a paint, you can do painting. And I've seen people, you know, go to the events or I've seen people show up. And I think like that's, there's not as I wouldn't say there's not many comments, and that's something that I think I would we want to work on to actually treating it more of an actual Facebook saying like oh this show's out and this is how I felt about that show and then I know having people come out like I'm going to go see a show and then inviting people I would love for it to really just grow into a little bit more personable mm-hmm. you know a little bit more now that it's I see that it's, there's actually a need for it. And that people are responding well to it. Now, I would like for it to be a little bit more of a connection with it. Right. Well, it's that that's next step of community building yes. that you're talking about. And one year is is a long time and not a long time for, yes. this, for building up this kind of engagement. And again, it happened so quickly. It was something that I felt once you put it out there, people instantly felt like we need this. Mm-hmm. And I do love how... People post so many different things, things on it that, again, it, it runs itself. <laughs> right. So, Alika, you have performed in shows. You stage managed. It sounds like you're going to be doing some more directing. What's coming up next for you? So I am working on a show for a script reading for WTF's Occupy, and that is our kind of like weekend our con it's from the 12th to the 14th of july and i'm actually doing something i guess i would consider it a little bit of a challenge 
because it is a full script reading, but it is, it's called High School Coven by Kayla Mishing Carvin. And it is mostly teenagers. So this is something that I think is, I would say a little different than what I've worked with. Mm. Um, and I, and I really wanted to do this because I do feel like, and maybe in another year or so, I really want to start working with, you know, high school theaters here in the Raleigh area because that, you know, when they go off to school and when they come back, like that is how we're going to continue, I feel like, develop the theater community here in Raleigh is to start, you know, reaching out to those high schoolers. Right. So the that's the so that show is starting that. They're technically 2018, but it is. It's, you know, for for a little high school, you know, play on witches. And but that also show deals with a topic that I think is definitely important. And whether or not just because you are a different type of person, um, you should be believed. Mm. And so when you say something happened, you should be believed. And I think it, it goes back to that story of that Me Too. So that's why I think it's going to be a, an interesting story. And I, I really you know, could have picked anyone, but that was the one that I wanted to tell. How does this work? It's a staged reading. Do you have a few rehearsals before the, yes. the reading? Or- we just had our auditions and we do three rehearsals and then we, you know, we're performing it twice, mm-hmm. but it's a script reading. So they are allowed to have their scripts. Some may, may memorize it, but there will be costumes. Um, there will be props and there, you know, some simple blocking. Mm-hmm. So I like the script readings because they're mainly about the story. When I did a script reading for Columbo Calling, it was about the story this is again it's it's when you do a script reading it's about the words and it's it's less about the um scenery right i'm excited to be to be doing that and i think those the occupy readings are great opportunities for people to have some theater in their life who can't commit to a really lengthy rehearsal and production schedule. So having an audition, doing three rehearsals and two performances is much more doable for more people. And when we're talking about opening up accessibility Mm -hmm. to folks and bringing them into the theater, I think this is a great way to do it because not everybody can can do five days a week for six weeks and then three weekends of performances and so this is but they still want to they still want to be a part of it we had so many people audition for different types of people that I, I hadn't seen yes I saw some of the the you know the usuals that came out but there's a lot of different people that I agree that you know this is something that they can do and with Occupy I like that you can be in more than one show mm-hmm. So even though it's three rehearsals for one show, you can be in two shows, you can be in three shows, but again, it's all one weekend and some of the shows are full length. Some of the shows are 15, 10 minutes. So you have that option to literally in one weekend be in three shows right? right. <laughs> and have that credit, like you said, and, and then you have the rest of the year, but I also think it's good for people who want to get back into theater to do this because it gives you an idea of that, of that process. And then again, it puts you that face, it puts your foot in the door. So that way, when you do have the time and you, you know, decide to be able to audition for something that is a full more, a little bit more of a production, 
you know, again, you have three shows under your belt and you also have that audition already that people can say like, oh, I I saw you audition Mm -hmm. for this. Raleigh definitely has a, a, a connection of once we see you, once you work with you, then, you know, we definitely try to make that connection and build on that relationship. Yeah, I think this that's a really crucial piece that you, that you talked about earlier in our conversation, and it's, show, it's showing up here again. It's this shorter, lower commitment Occupy experience is a great tool for building trust mm-hmm. and relationship and getting to know people so that you have, so that you know you can like count on each other, exactly. you know, moving forward. And I think that that sounds, that's really key, especially as grownups, because our time is very precious yes. and we want to be able to spend it with people that we trust and who have our back and we can rely on and we know it's going to be a positive experience yes. and I think people are apprehensive about getting involved in something that won't be worth their time and energy. And it's also <laughs> in a selfish way, I imagine, and I'm I don't know this for sure. I'm just making this up out of my out of my head. But for a women's theater festival, Occupy is like a gateway, right? It's like once oh, yeah. once you get them in, then you've got them. Like it <laughs> it's actually, sort of like what happened to you. <laughs> it really is. Uh, even one of the shows that we did for Occupy last year might be in one of our main shows yeah. stage, you know, our main stage shows. So again, you're right. It is, it definitely is a gateway because once you get that bug, you know, once you realize, again, it's a positive experience. Right. And I agree with you. You have so much to do. The last thing you want to do is audition for something and be in a show and it be a letdown. Mm-hmm. Cause then it, I think it com- confirms all your fears of like, this is why I don't have time for this. This is why, you know, I was better in my high school days, but like I've lost this spark. And that's something that hobbies and those things, you have to have a balance. And it's just as much time and effort you put into your job, into your family, you should put into yourself and the things that you love. And it does help when you have people to support you and to make it an enjoyable experience and to make you want to come back and just do whatever. Like I'll volunteer for anything if you know as long as i could just be in the area or just be be together and i think that's good i will include all sorts of links in the show notes so that people can learn more about the schedule for the women's theater festival um, over that july weekend and i will put a link in there to the crew facebook page is there anything else that we haven't talked about that you'd like to cover before we wrap up Also with the Occupy, I will be technically directing my first main full production in, I do believe, January of next year. Oh. Yes. So that is um, a main show that we're doing. And it is interesting because it actually is dear to my personal because it's about educators and it's about a mom and a a principal. Again, it's a small you know, three person kind of cast in that aspect, but it's about the story. I haven't quite gotten the details as far as like who's in in the show, but um, it's lines in the dust, and I'm really excited about about that. So this is a change for for women's theater festival because I think folks in this area are used to having WTF being a summer only event, but now for the first time, you all are going to have a like a different kind of a season that stretches over the academic year, essentially, right? Yes. 
you're going to be directing the show that is going to be performed in January. Yes. And what is the name of it again? Lines in the Dust. Lines in the Dust. That's awesome. Yes. I mean, I'm really, really excited about it. Like, again, I think I've had the practice. And, you know, I've seen so much of the behind the scenes with producing and with assistant directing and, and, you know, directing the script readings. and But this will be me first at the helm. And so it'll be interesting if, because I tend to like want to do everything. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'll stage manage, I'll do this, this, that. But I'm also excited too, because maybe Yvette and Naima will be with me during that one. And again, there, that's that full circle about us supporting each other and helping each other. So um, Yvette will be producing and Naima will be stage managing so I don't have to do everything myself. Oh, that's awesome. So you have your, you yeah. have a team. I ha- I that's have a team. Wonderful. And I you know, as like again, I would I would do everything cuz that's how I am, mm-hmm. but I don't have to right. to do everything because I I can trust in these two wonderful women. I think there's something to be said for having done those jobs that you appreciate them so much more (laughs) when you're not doing them. You kind of understand where people are coming from and, you know, what their job is and what your job is. And I think that anyone who directs should have also been on the stage, been a stage manager, tried to design something even if they failed, done some producing work, because then you can do the things you need to do to support your team instead of unintentionally obstructing them. You yes. know what I mean? Which I've seen happen in the past. <laughs> and I'm so used to being that support system. I'm so used to being like the supportive person. And so this time I actually will be the ones who they're like, well, what do you think we should do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love the fact that I feel less fearful about the situation because I know I, I have Yvette and I know I have Naima and I know I can you know, communicate with them. We've, we've built those connections. I can communicate with them in a way that, that they'll, they'll understand. They Mm -hmm. know, they know me, they know my personality. They know that, you know, certain things, situations and things that that will go on. Cause let's just be honest. Theater can be stressful. Oh oh yes. (laughs) And you know, things happen, you know, we're, we're all putting our, our little piece of ourselves into, into the show and things can definitely happen. And you're going to be vulnerable. It's good to know that people definitely will understand that part and still have your back. Right. right. And still support you and still make sure that their heart's in it as well. Right. Again, it's being in the trenches. It's, it's, it's that doing that, that battle together. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I'm very excited to see this production See you at the Women's Theater Festival this summer. And and I can't, I'm very excited for what's coming next for you. Thanks so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Hey friends, did you know that I'm working on a new audio drama to be released this summer, 2019? It's an adaptation of my stage play, Master Builder. This is a whole new kettle of fish for me and I'm so excited We're revealing all sorts of behind-the-scenes goodies via the Artist Soapbox Patreon page, and we'd love for you to join us as we roll toward completion. Patrons who donate $3 or more per month have access to updates and extras, and even more excitingly, they'll have early access to the completed audio drama before the general public. Come on and join us at patreon.com slash artist 
Soapbox. <laughs>